Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover section 14 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So section 14 is uh, to a revelation given to David Whitmer. And that's, I think, an important thing to remember as you read these verses. Uh, I think it's important to remember all the time when we're reading you know, the context. I think it helps a lot. Uh, but there's one specific verse, and I'll, I'll point it out as we get through there, that I think um, is important to remember specifically that this is to David Whitmer and what happens then in his life later on. I vote, so before we get into section 14 and some specifics, um, I wanted to give, I gave some of the overview uh, of how, you know, the Whitmers were introduced and uh, Joseph became acquainted with them in the overview episode. So if you didn't listen to that, good place to start. But I'm actually going to do it again a little bit more in depth here. Oftentimes when I'm studying, I find, you know, good little tidbits here, a tidbit there, and then I kind of pull them together and then I tell the story of them. I actually found in uh, the Institute Manual, uh, it's pretty thorough just breakdown of section 14, the historical background that I really liked. So I'm actually just going to read it in its entirety. It says, while Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery worked on the translation of the Book of Mormon at the Prophet's Farm in Harmony, Pennsylvania, uh, persecution began to increase, making it more and more difficult to finish the work. At this time, Oliver Cowdery wrote to David Whitmer requesting him to come to Harmony to take him and and Joseph Smith to the home of David, David's father, Peter Whitmer Sr., who was a resident of Fayette, New York. They wanted to reside with the Whitmer family while they completed the work of translation. Earlier, Joseph Smith had become acquainted with Peter Whitmer and several members of the family. Oliver had also been corresponding with David Whitmer while the Book of Mormon was translated. Through this correspondence, the whole Whitmer family became acquainted with the work of restoration. The prophet Joseph Smith recorded that in the beginning of the month of June, Peter Whitmer's son David uh, came to the place where we were residing and brought with him two horse, a two-horse wagon for the purpose of having us accompany him to his father's place, and there remain until we should finish the work. It was arranged that we should have our board free of charge and the assistance of one of his brothers to write for me, and also his own assistance when convenient. Having much need of such timely aid and undertaking so arduous, and undertaking so arduous, and being informed that the people in the neighborhood of the Whitmers were anxiously awaiting the opportunity to inquire into these things, we accepted the invitation and accompanied Mr. Mr. Whitmer to his father's house and there resided until the translation was finished and the copyright secured. Upon our arrival, we found Mr. Whitmer's family very anxious concerning the work and very friendly towards us. They continued so, uh, boarded and lodged us according to arrangements, and John Whitmer in particular assisted us very much in writing during the remainder of the work. In the meantime, David, John, and Peter Whitmer, Jr., became very, our zealous friends and assistants in the work and being anxious to know their prospective duties, uh, and having desired with much earnestness that I should inquire of the Lord concerning them, I did so through the means of the Nirman Thummim and obtained for them in succession the following revelations, Doctrine and Covenants, section 14 through 16. So, a great summary there of what happened and what leads into sections 14, 15, and 16. So as we get into section 14, you're going to see another example of the, of a pattern that I've pointed out in previous episodes uh, in previous episodes past weeks verse 2 behold i am god so again there's this repetition that god puts us uh, he always wants us to remember our relation to him he is god we are not 
We should come to him for our gui- for guidance and for learning and direction. We should seek not to counsel him, but to seek counsel from him. The first verse also should ring familiar. A great and marvelous work is about to come forth under the children of men. Again, this precedes the, the completion of the Book of Mormon. It precedes the the true beginnings of the of the spread of the gospel and missionaries going out. And so, as as has been mentioned, that there, you know, uh, section eleven, section twelve, section four, these the ideas are are repeated. Um, and if the Lord's repeating something, then I think that it's important that we pay attention. Uh, the Lord uses patterns for our benefit, right? So that we can recognize his voice. We can recognize that it's coming from him. We can recognize his patterns. If we can recognize his patterns, we can recognize his fingerprints, right? We can recognize where he is. Um, And then obviously as well, that repetition is for uh, an emphasis. So what is, what are these things that are being repeated and how can we, how can we learn from them? Um, Verse 5 says, Therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. This is echoed, again, from section 4, section 11, section 12. God wants us to ask questions. He wants us to go to him with questions. He can't answer our questions if we do not ask. Um, He won't. He can. He can do whatever. He's he's all-powerful. But he will not because he won't. Uh, supersede our agency. He wants us to to choose to ask. He wants us to choose to want to know. And so he guides us with his loving hand and prompts us, but then he wants us to ask. He wants us to ask questions. He doesn't want us to doubt or fear. And and I think that oftentimes the world conflates the two, questions and and, uh, doubting, right? You know, um, people will... Uh, who, who, who are critics of the church, who are critics of faith in general, will say, you know, the, you guys just, you follow blindly, blind faith. No, and that's not the way the Lord wants us to be either. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to choose faith, but he wants us to ask questions. This is one of the most oft-repeated uh, know, imperatives in, in all of Scripture, in the New Testament, in the Book of Mormon, in the Doctrine and Covenants here, and we've already seen, we're only 14 sections in, and we've seen it repeated. Ask questions. If you will ask, if you will knock, you will receive, it will be open to you. But as we learned back in section 6 of the Doctrine and Covenants, doubt not, fear not. You know, fear not, little flock. Don't be afraid, and don't have doubts, because doubts and questions are different. Seek to understand, and it's, I think this is associated with the Lord saying, behold, I, I am God, right? In, in that, don't seek to uh, counsel me in your questions. That's kind of what doubt looks like. Doubt looks like, I need to know this or else I won't believe. Doubt is, you need to give me this answer in this way. No, that's not how it works. That's not a real question. That's you seeking to counsel the Lord. A question is, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I believe, help thou my un- mine unbelief. It's having faith in what you do know and not in what you don't know. Seeking for the answers for what you don't know, but relying on what you do know. 
Section 14 continues, and the Lord says, And if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. This, uh, I'm going to read verse 8 as well. And it shall come to pass that if you shall ask the Father in my name and the in faith believing, you shall receive the Holy Ghost, which giveth utterance, that you may stand as a witness of things which you shall both hear and see, and also that you may declare repentance unto this generation. So he says to David Whitmer, if you ask, you'll receive the Holy Ghost. And if you endure to the end, you receive the greatest gift, which is eternal life. This is a, this is the verse I was, going to, I was telling you about that I think is important to remember this, what happened with David Whitmer. David Whitmer is the only of the three witnesses who died and not in full fellowship in the church. All three, Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris, David Whitmer, all apostatized, left the church. Uh, Oliver Cowdery and Martin Harris were both rebaptized and died in full fellowship. Uh, David Whitmer, who the Lord knew was at risk of not enduring to the end, specifically invited him to endure to the end. Now, as we, we'll talk about in section 17 and, and the three witnesses, all three never denied what they had seen. They's, there's uh, some really great uh, snippets I'll share about that. Um, but David Whitmer did indeed uh, apostatize and did not um, return to, to full fellowship in the Lord's kingdom on, here on earth. Uh, something else I want to point out says, if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you, uh, you shall have eternal life, which is the greatest of all the gifts of God. And when we think of gifts from God, we often think of the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so verse 8 is interesting because the next thing he talks about is if you uh, ask and believe, then the Lord will, he said, that the, the Lord would give him uh, the Holy Ghost, which giveth utterance. He then also promises him that he's going to be able to be a witness, which we see that promise is fulfilled. Uh, but what I want to point out, point out here is, uh, section 88, uh, ties the gift of eternal life and the gift of the Holy ghost, which seem to be closely related. Uh, and section 88 kind of ties those together and, and shows us how they are related. So verse, um, three of section 88 says, wherefore I now send upon you another comforter, the Holy ghost. Even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise, which other comforter is the same that I promised unto, this, unto my disciples, as it, is, as it is recorded in the testimony of John. This comforter is, a, is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom. So when we have the Holy Ghost, when we feel the presence and the power and the influence of the Holy Ghost, that feeling is what? It is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life. That's that's a glimpse of what eternal life is. The gift of the Holy Ghost is a glimpse of the greatest of all gifts, which is eternal life. If we want to know what the celestial kingdom will feel like, if we want to know what exaltation uh, will be like, what eternal life will feel like, uh, think about times when you felt the Spirit's influence in your life. Think about uh, maybe uh, the bapti- your baptism, the baptism of a child. Uh, when you went through the temple and, and for the first time, or when you sit at, sat in the celestial room, uh, when you've partaken of the sacrament, uh, when you have sought for guidance and peace and the Lord has given it to you, those moments where I you f- feel that 
additional and added measure of peace and of the Spirit. To me, what the what what section fourteen and section eighty eight teach is that that is the promise of eternal life. That is a taste, a glimpse. It's it's there uh, to prod us on to say what you're doing is right, and that keeping on the path is worth it because this is what's at the end. This is this this is a taste of what's at the end. Um, as as we talk about enduring to the end, I found a few quotes that I wanted to share. First is from Elder Joseph P. Berthelin. He said, some of, or some think of enduring to the end as simply suffering through challenges. It is so, so much more than that. It is the process of coming unto Christ and being perfected in him. Enduring to the end is the doctrine of continuing on the path leading to eternal life after one has entered into the path through the, through faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. and Enduring to the end requires our whole heart. Enduring to the end means that we have planted our lives firmly on gospel soil, staying in the mainstream of the church, humbly serving our fellow men, living Christ-like lives, and keeping our covenants. Uh, This next quote, Eternal life is the same kind of life which God lives and is therefore the greatest of all gifts of God. And because those who gain it become like him, they are one with him. Exaltation consists of an inheritance in... Uh, excuse me, exaltation consists of an inheritance in the highest heaven of the celestial world, where alone the family unit continues and where each recipient gains for himself an eternal family unit patterned after the family of God and our Heavenly Father, so that every exalted person lives the kind of life which God lives and is therefore one with him. Thus, to be saved, to gain exaltation, to inherit eternal life, all mean to be one with God, to live as he lives, to think as he thinks, to act as he acts, to possess the same glory, the same power, the same might, and the dominion that he possesses. How do we become one with God? So if eternal life is living like him and being one with him is the same, is another way of saying that. That is the purpose of the Holy Ghost. That's his, that's his mission. His mission is to help us become uh, at one. Uh, Elder James E. Talmadge in Jesus Christ taught uh, this this thought in, in this type of way, paraphrasing. He said, uh, a being of a lower state can only become part of uh, or like a being of a higher state if, if the being from the higher state reaches down and pulls the lower being up. So, for example, a plant, a lower state of being, can become part of an animal only by the animal reaching down and eating that plant. And then it becomes part of it. And even this, he's, it recognizes, is only temporary, right? And then nature runs its course. But that's his, his point is in saying that the animal has to reach down and bring it up to itself. So it is with God and the Godhead. What the uh, Holy Ghost's purpose and mission is, one of them, is to reach down and to bring us up and to purify us and to help us become one. The purpose of the atonement was so that we could uh, be worthy of the presence of the Holy Ghost, one of the great purposes of the atonement. And as we read in John chapter 17 and 3 Nephi chapter 11, that the purpose is to for us to become one, even as Christ is one with his Father and the Holy Ghost is one with them. Even so, he prays that we may become one with them. How do we become one with them? That we that we receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost purifies us, purifies us, cleanses, and lifts us 
to becoming unified. So as we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and as we receive that power, that cleansing in our life, it is the promise of eternal life. All right, I want to share just a few more quotes regarding uh, enduring to the end, um, and this 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 idea of uh, yeah, I guess just the idea of, of enduring to the end. I won't expand much further. I'll read these quotes um, and then make a, a, a couple of comments uh, in wrapping up this episode. First, from uh, Elder Oaks, President Oaks, he said, "My brethren and sisters, who may view or read what I say here, I hope that you know." Why your leaders give the teachings and counsel we give. We love you and your Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, love you. Their plan is for for us is the great plan of happiness. That plan and their commandments and ordinances and covenants lead us to the greatest happiness and joy in this life and in the life to come. As servants of the Father and the Son, we teach and counsel as they have directed us by the Holy Ghost. We have no desire other than to speak what is true and encourage you to do that, do what they have outlined as the pathway to eternal life, the greatest of all the gifts of God. And this comes from a talk, and the reason I wanted to point this out is actually because of the talk that it comes from. So he, he, I pulled this part of it because he quotes section 14 there. Uh, but this talk was from April of 2019 called, Where Will This Lead? And as we perform anything in our life, we should ask, where will this lead? Will this lead, will this end in eternal life? As we're discussing and, and engaging with people on social media, what's the end? What, where will it end? What is the purpose? There's a time and place for defending truth, obviously, but are we are we doing good? Are we doing harm? Where will this lead? Sister Bonnie L. Oscarson, April 2016, said, Do we sometimes become so accustomed to the blessings we have been given as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that we fail to fully comprehend the miracle and majesty of discipleship in the Lord's true church? Are we ever guilty of being so complacent about this the greatest gift which we, he has offered us in this life. The Savior himself taught, if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which is the greatest of all the gifts of God. We believe that in this church, we believe that this church is more than just a good place to go on Sundays and learn how to be a good person. It is more than a lovely Christian social club. We can associate with people of good moral standing, or where we can uh, associate with people of good moral standing. It is not just a great set of ideas that parents can teach their children. So they will be responsible, nice people. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is infinitely more than all these things. It helps us, and I'm commenting, it helps us to find the path and stay on the path. It gives us access to the covenant path that gives us, that, and that is the path that ends in that greatest of all gifts, eternal life. Well, that's where I'm going to end uh, this episode. I hope you'll join me in the next episode um, as you, we discuss sections 15 and 16, both quick chapters. We'll combine them into one um, and discuss. So I hope you join me in that episode and best of luck in your studies.